0: She's the face of our brand. So like, um, so, so she's around it every day. And, um, obviously I'm a part of that group. So like, I see the same stuff that goes on and, and that's where it gets to the idea of like being pre, like a, a premium quality product, right. Whenever you're doing anything is that you want to listen to, to your market. Right. I mean, if, uh, that's all you ever really like, like when I'm looking at say new products or anything else that I want to do, in any type of brand, you you look to that mar- what the market first approach they call it, right? Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson.
1: Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode four hundred and thirty-one, Douglas Levin. Man, what a what a refreshing, uh, solid. Uh, level, level-headed, level, even-keeled uh, seller, uh, Douglas is. I mean, just, just solid. I mean, it just you can you hear it, you know. And it's funny. I, I get more confident as the interview went on because I just I can tell that what's going on in the world isn't bothering him. It is the opportunity, and he's not taking advantage of people. He wants to do the right thing, and that's his mom, making sure he doesn't forget other people and he does the right thing. That's probably his lawyer dad. And so I I just think that that approach is so refreshing, you know, not trying to one up, not trying to, to get other sellers, trying to win, close the gap. The gap in the marketplace is his fault. He'll tell you that. And I just think it's so refreshing and it's just so neat to see a guy, um, succeed, uh, who's uh, good guys do win, and uh, it's just so neat. And so I think there's some really good advice and some really good lessons um, that uh, he talks about. So let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce Momentum Podcast. Very excited about today's guest. Um, I think he's going to have something interesting to offer this time of year because it is, it is an interesting time of year when all of us should see our sales start to increase. But because things have been challenging, um, lots of us haven't. Um, myself included in the shoes and clothing area and uh so we've we've pivoted and added other things but this seller's been selling in in a category for a while so i think there's there's some real value there and he knows about chatbots which is very hot right now douglas levin welcome douglas
0: Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm definitely intrigued in many, many different ways with your story. Um, I know a little bit of the backstory, so I'm definitely interested to find out more about that. And then, you know, as I kind of hinted in there, um, you haven't seen this giant boom in sales or decline in sales, which I think is fascinating, and I wonder if that's intentional. We can get all there. And then I'm definitely interested in chatbots because I think, you know, from company, I had to lay off one of my guys. And when you have a company and we do customer service, we have a couple podcasts we're involved in. And to have the ability to answer questions electronically is fascinating to me. So I'm definitely interested in your whole story. So let's go back. Um, so you're a big seller now, but you weren't. So take me back. What were you going to be? When you were in high school, what was going to happen?
0: Uh, I was going to be a baseball player. I wanted to be like a— really. Yeah. Like I was a huge fan, uh, like when I was in grade school of like, um, like Shoeless Joe Jackson uh-huh, of all people, sure. and like, uh, Kirby Puckett and Ted Williams, those kind of guys. So it was like, I played little league and I was like, I'm, I want to be, be a professional baseball player. That's all I want to do. And it didn't work out so well after a while, but it was fun.
1: <laughs> so did you, did you, uh, did you make it into uh, high school ball and then to college ball at all or no?
0: No, I, I was I was really good in grade school, and then um, <laughs> after grade school, I wasn't so good anymore. So, uh,
1: so what was the interruption? Was it girls? Come on, be honest.
0: Uh, girls are always fun, but no, at that point, I was not anybody that was really getting any type of dates. Okay. Uh, I just think I wasn't very good, so it, okay. it didn't end up lasting. Too All well. right,
1: so it didn't last. What yeah. what was the other interest that you have?
0: Uh, well, I mean, music has been a huge interest of mine. I think since, uh, I think I started playing drums when I was 13. And, uh, obviously before that I was really interested in, in music and I, um, from there it just got to be my obsession kind of for a long time.
1: I was very thankful that neither one of my boys played the drums because I couldn't yeah. imagine listening to that in the house. How would, how, how were your parents with that?
0: Um, they were amazing actually. Like I, mm. I don't think many parents would have been like mine were like I was, I remember I was like, I was like 14 years old. I was in my first band and like, uh, they had me in the basement and like, I've got like people that are like 10 years older than me coming over to practice. And I'm, I'm like, just banging away, probably sounding terrible and, and they were cool with it. They were fine. They're <laughs> they've like, Hey, how's it going to everybody that would come in. They were, they were super cool about it.
1: Well, that's cool. That, that, that's a maturity then that, that probably gave you, um, some good training for later in life. All right. So you played, uh, in high school, clearly. Um, when did you know that you were going to play professionally?
0: Uh, I don't know if I really did. Oh. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I really thought, um, like everybody else in the world when they're trying to learn something and they're like, especially like in the arts or anything like that, you're like, I'm going to make it and I'm going to be awesome. And I'm going to be playing in front of like thousands and thousands of people and make what $5 million and all those amazing things. They're so, going to have you
1: on a shirt, right? You're going to be right. like kiss on a shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you think that's what it's going to be, but, um, uh, then you get into stuff and you don't really know. I mean, like. I was in like original bands, like you're playing original music for years and years. And um, it was, and then just kind of out of, I think that and out of people I knew, um, somebody was looking for someone to like play in like a cover band kind of a thing. It was like live band karaoke, where like you're the backing band and people come up and sing. And that just kind of fell out into my lap out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden I was actually making money doing it. So,
1: wait, is this live karaoke? I've never heard of it. Never heard of such a thing. Now, wait, no, wait. There was a bar in Orlando I went to, and these guys played the piano. I forget what it was called, but there was a lot of drinking involved, I'll be honest with you. But (laughs) then it was people who singing, and you didn't care. But, I mean, live karaoke, I've never heard of such a thing. Is it still a thing now?
0: Oh, yeah. I think it still goes on. Um, uh, Like, I I think I did it for probably what like five to 10 years i was doing it professionally um and i just kind of eventually stopped because i was doing amazon more but um yeah like i think it's still going on i still talk to some of the musician friends of mine that i was playing with and like they still do it obviously not now but um uh yeah they i know some guys who have been doing it for probably like 10 15 years at this point no
1: kidding all right cool i mean that's got to keep the thrill that's a passion right music i mean that's is that a passion for you
0: Oh oh yeah I mean I mean I I will be honest and say though like 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 when you're doing original music and it's like you're you're coming up with your own songs and you're like playing in the basement you're playing in a, wherever it is that you like the four or five however many people are in the band are playing like that's the passion part like that's the mm-hmm. part where you're creating stuff and then hopefully you're getting in front of people and playing and getting that reaction right but when you when you start to play like cover stuff and you're playing the same song for like the millionth time, mm. it starts to lose its luster. Like, um, uh, sometimes, like, the fun part is more like getting the reaction of the people sometimes when they're having fun. But the actual, like, playing part at that point is like, well, how many times am I going to play Don't Stop Believing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. It starts to, like, wear on you after a while.
1: Think of the wedding singer. All right. So answer me this because this <laughs> has always confused me country music. I like country music now for some reason. I really do. But I was so disappointed to find out the majority of them don't write their own songs. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa. So how do you, because you obviously, original stuff means that you've written songs and been part of it, right? Yes. So what do you What do you see there? When you see that where there's basically a machine down there where they, it's kind of like the news, right? Where they just tell them, here, just sing this, just sing this, right? What's that do to you as a writer?
0: I, I mean, it. For, the first time I heard about it, like, and I, I kind of saw that people were doing that, you get like a little incensed and you get a little annoyed by it, right? You're like, here I am trying to kind of create my own stuff. I mean, like like you're going through that process. But the, then the more you kind of see what the music industry is like and, and what it's become mm. at, at that point, you're like, it's just part of the business. I mean, it's like, I mean, anything else that you're doing, like we were talking about, like on the business side, you start to see things that become apparent over time as you're doing it more. It's the same in music. I mean, um, yeah, you could be irritated by that stuff, but usually the people that get irritated and are like, I'm not going to sell out, I'm not going to do whatever, um, they're not going to be in it. Like, they're not going to They just don't make it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you ultimately have to make that decision of like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to keep at it and then you're going to deal with those types of situations? Like, like, I mean, I, I know at one point I was trying to be like a session drummer, which basically meant like, it was the same kind of deal where like bands would like hire you to play on their record because their musicians basically sucked. And then, um, <laughs> you would, you would go in for like a, a couple hours, play your stuff, and then you'd be done and you get paid. And, um, uh, like if I was to think about that from the musician standpoint, when I started, I'd be like, that just sounds weird. Like I wouldn't want to do that. But like, as you do it like longer, it's just, it's part of the deal. And okay. like, Hopefully you get better, and that's what you do in some ways.
1: Okay. No, well, I've always wondered that because I was, I was definitely a little. Because you're here, the guy's dog died, and his truck <laughs> broke down, and his wife. And then you were like, "Wait, he not even he didn't have a dog. He didn't have a truck, you know." And you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so anyway, all right. Always wanted to know that. It has a lot to do with Amazon. I'm I'm confident at some point. All right. So you said that Amazon took off for you. Why Why did you start selling on Amazon?
0: Yeah. Well, um, it was, I think 2014, I want to say, I, you, when you're doing stuff, you always forget times, but, um, uh, I was still doing like the live car- uh, live band karaoke stuff and I was playing in original bands, but I was only making like, I think it was like 18 grand a year or something. Um, so I wasn't making very much. And at the time I was also doing like miles and point stuff. If you know mm-hmm. what that is. Yeah, yeah. So like I had good credit, so I would get like a bunch of cards and, um, and, and like get cash back and go on trips with like family and all that other kind of stuff. And then I, I saw on like one of those blogs from like those influencers in the space, like, Hey, I started to like basically do arbitrage and I'm getting um, all these free points basically. So then I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. Um, Like I hear people like, Oh yeah, I'm going to sell iPads and I'm going to make all this money and things like that. And I didn't really know anything about it, but they were getting points out of it. And like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll see what it is and kind of go from there and just kind of. So that was your
1: angle. You weren't going in it to make money. You were going in it for the, the chase for the points, right? The win.
0: Basically. Yeah. I mean, um, once I actually started to see a little bit more about what it was and you hear like, well, if you just go for the points, then you're going to be out of business really, really quickly. Mm. Um, uh, I started to obviously like learn about like what a real business is and and how arbitrage really works, and that, those kinds of things. But yeah, when I when I started, that's all it really was. It was like, oh, okay, cool, I can get more points, more more cash back, all that kind of stuff.
1: Nick, were any of your family entrepreneurs in any way? I mean, was this was this new? Or are you the first generation entrepreneur, or did you come from some?
0: Yeah, um, they didn't do that at all. Like, my dad's <laughs> a lawyer, and my mom was a social worker. Oh, like, great. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I, I've said this like many times before, like I am no, in no way like a typical entre- uh, entrepreneur in terms of the way I think or anything. Like I print, like I kind of said this in, in the past, like I, I lately I've been taken like Tom B- Bailey, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, like, yep. yeah in, in terms of like his road, the way he did it in terms of how I don't really consider myself uh, like a, a typical like entrepreneur in terms of like it comes easier to you you think about it a certain way like i came from the musician background of like um uh just sleeping until 3 or 4 in the afternoon and like you don't really have any real business sense at all and you don't know like the higher level ceo kind of 8020 stuff at all um you're you're just trying to play songs and do that kind of thing so it was a completely different like world to me to kind of learn and make a thousand mistakes at
1: well wouldn't you say though I mean, I just want to see if I can make this connection. Somebody complains when I make these connections, but I'd like mm. this. I would argue that music, taking risks, trying to figure out that song, you're taking a whole bunch of risks, right? Because you're putting your, you're bearing your soul when you do that mm. stuff. So I would argue that you took a lot of those risks risks, and you get past that. You obviously failed and succeeded, mm. right? I'm sure Both. That's yeah. really, isn't it? Every day, as an entrepreneur, um, for us, sometimes it's hourly—the the winning and yeah. failing. <laughs> um, yes. I would argue you actually have have uh, you know you got past that. Any, do you think I'm making a weird connection there?
0: No, I, I I think you're right. I mean, um, I've had this conversation I think numerous times with my wife, just in terms of, like, she'll say things in, about like my background, basically the same kind of thing as you said in terms of like you're you're fine getting in front of people you're fine kind of like obviously doing an interview with you here right where people are gonna uh listen to it like those kind of things where like it's it's just something it's not a big deal like and i think that is because of the music background and that does definitely i I would i would agree it it does kind of go into that idea of you just kind of move it move past it like um i i don't really think i have the fear of the oh, entrepreneurial interest because of that, I guess that would probably be part of it. I never honestly thought about why, um, but I, I think that that would probably, if I think about it realistically, that was probably part of the reason why.
1: Yeah, I think fear is the number one thing that most people get stuck at, you know, and even myself sometimes. I mean, it, you know, you do it a bunch of times and it's like, wow, it might not work. But it worked every other time. It, but, wow, well, you know, it might not, Douglas. It might not, you know. All right. Okay, so so you start selling on a, uh, a on Amazon, doing arbitrage. Um, did you have a niche that you were good at? I mean, did you like? Did you go to music and go to music? I bought a music store once. Don't don't try to sell that <laughs> stuff. It's a thin market. Um, did you go after that?
0: Uh, no, no, I um, <laughs> I did not really know much in terms of arbitrage at all. So like. Um, I think I, at the time I was just trying to ask friends ask like doing all the stuff on Facebook, like those 5 million Facebook groups that everybody's a part of mm. trying to like network and make connections and all those kinds of things. And, um, I, I, I think probably initially I looked a little bit at music, but I'm like, I, I know how that works in the music scene. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to really work at that. Like, I don't know if I can get the price, like the buy low and sell high kind of stuff. So, I, I didn't really have a niche. I mean, it took me a really long time. Like even when I started doing wholesale, I didn't have a niche. Like until I went to private label, that's that's when I finally niched down. But mm-hmm. yeah, arbitrage it was basically, can I make some money off of this? Um, okay, sure, I'll I'll try it.
1: And when uh, so, just jump, uh, make a mental jump for me from there, that arbitrage to that mm-hmm. private label. Did you mm-hmm. learn things in that arbitrage phase that really? gave you the big benefit when you were doing your private label? Uh, you I, get me that? it's a weird question. You get what I mean though? Yeah. Like there has to be stuff that, you know, you're saying, "Eh, was, I just sold everything. But then you were like, well, these are the things that I didn't sell because I knew, or I tried and they failed. So therefore when I went into private label, I didn't go in those.
0: Get what I, I mean? I, I think on, on the upside, on the Amazon side, everything you learn about it was, was one thing I definitely learned obviously. But, um, I would say there was probably a lot of things that i I learned not to do hmm. um like in terms of the art like from the arbitrage side to the private label side like I was specifically looking at what arbitrage sellers do like um in terms of how they might want to buy products like right, that are at Walmart on clearance or or that are best sellers and like like they're looking for that specific type of product, so like I would think about that that thought process that they're going through and try to do the opposite more. When oh, I'm going give me an example.
1: So uh, everybody's going in and buying. Let's face it. To- let's use toilet paper, right? Great time mm-hmm. for that. So everybody's going in and buying toilet paper, and it's the big chase, right? The, the right. ranks really great, that kind of thing. So, so give me an example. Of what you were thinking?
0: I think more. A lot of it was on the supply chain side. Like, um, uh, like I've been approached by like Walmart and other stuff. Where other, like a whole bunch of sellers where they're basically wanting to sell your stuff, and then you're you're going to lose control of it right in terms of that supply chain part of it where if it's going in walmart at that point uh any arbitrage seller can realistically buy and sell it and there's not much you can do at that point i mean like there's there's those black hat gray hat kind of stuff where people where sellers try and get rid of our arbitrage sellers but i i don't really like that i mean i i don't agree with that kind of thought process i mean if there's a problem where that arbitrage seller is getting your stuff and buying it, that's on you as the seller. It's oh, not man. on them. They're the ones who have gone through and, and they're taking advantage of the gap in the market. You're the one who should have a better supply chain. You're the one who should be doing something to guard against that.
1: So the gap um, in the market's your fault.
0: I, I That's the way I kind of look at it. Um, a lot of times, like I'll try and do stuff on the Amazon side as much as I can. Like Obviously, like if you can brand register your product – um, on the counterfeit side, doing what like Project Zero or transparency, that stuff. But I don't believe, like personally, in in the IP claims and all those other kind of stuff. Because like I, I still know arbitrage sellers that are doing like they're trying to make a living, and I'm not gonna do so do that to somebody. It just like like there's there's a better way to do it. Mm. I mean, uh, your basically my problem is like because my failing was it uh, my failing to plan is not your problem. Is basically it's the way personal I look
1: at. responsibility. That's that yeah. your father, the lawyer, teacher, <laughs> right? And your mom, the social worker, saying be compassionate. Ah, yeah. oh, all right. They did do a good job raising you. That's funny. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting you say that because I think this IP stuff is going to blow up in so many people's faces. You know, everybody just easily, you know, just hides behind that. And man, you you know, you hurt somebody's business and you don't have the legal right to. You know, when it really comes down to it they're gonna put a financial harm on that brand. Um mm-hmm. and I know there are a bunch of people fighting certain ones. Um and I, I know one person in particular and he's he's dogged. I mean he will not let it go and he's gonna win. I mean there's no doubt in my mind. And then he's gonna get uh he's gonna get uh re- remuner- right, right is that the right word remunerated? I'm not sure yeah, if that's the right, right word. Yeah, he's going to, he's got, they're going they're gonna it's gonna be painful for that company.
0: Mm-hmm yeah I, I like I think a lot of it like this came across more to me on the wholesale side when I was trying to do that like and I would see people that were like if I was in some course or whatever it is and I would see people always like looking at it from the perspective of oh, how do I get people off the listing how do I get people and they they're they're so easy it's the easy route right like in terms of like oh, oh we'll just do an IP claim it's fine get rid of them like but but these are people that don't really understand. Like a lot of these people that are trying to do that are in the, in the, this Amazon space for like two seconds. And they're like, well, this is a way to solve the problem. So I'm just going to do it. And they don't really understand, like, like really goes into it. And like, obviously like I don't claim to be a lawyer. I don't know the legalities of it at all, but I know that, that that, like when I think of right and wrong, I just think that's wrong. I mean, like, like, like it, it, if there's an issue then you do something better. Wait, just, right,
1: you already right. said that gap in the right. market's your fault sure. as the yeah. brand. That's your fault. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. I like I hope you <laughs> uh I hope a whole bunch of brands hear this because I think you're right. I think you're spot on. If they would have done all those other things that you described, you know, got their brand registered, did the transparency, did all those things, there wouldn't be a gap in the market, right? If they had their supply chain right if they're in retail, and it was correct, and it was correct on Amazon, it was correct in all these other places, it wouldn't be an issue. Because what happens? Why does Walmart drop that price and put them into clearance?
0: Well, right, it's, it's not selling enough, right? There's some kind of an issue going on if they're going to lower the price, right? Hmm.
1: Do you think, um, as a brand, right, and you, you, you have your own brand, do you think that that's uh, the the short-term gain, Like, I mean, you don't see that generally with some of the big brands. I mean, I guess they do sales and that's an old, I think there's the old coupon way and the coupon Mm -hmm. clipper people. Those things are exceptions, but a lot of those brands, you don't see them dropping their price and running these giant sales and stuff like that, right?
0: Uh, a, a lot of like the brands you're, you're talking about, Amazon, like that kind of thing. No, or
1: like, like in, in in Walmart, like in, in retail for general. And then when they go to when they transfer over to Walmart, it's basically the same price. You don't see big gaps mm-hmm. in the pricing. What are they doing right? Maybe that's a better way to ask it.
0: Uh, like 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 the those brands that are kind of like just on the like that I see every day. I think I mean they they know their customer, right? I mean mm-hmm. you know, like like anytime I'm thinking about marketing in general, I mean. They've got they've built up some kind of system. Uh, they they know. what well, I, I think it's usually the three foundational pieces that always come down to anything that I always look at. I mean, I, uh, knowing your ideal customer, right? N- um, knowing your brand values, and knowing your competitors. I mean, at that point, if you know those three things above everything else, I mean, it doesn't really matter at that point what type of brand you're building. If you're building a hundred million dollar brand like what like Quest was, or um, or like a tiny nickel and dime brand that's just getting off the ground. I mean, those are the type of things that if you can really bring in your your raving fans, right? As they say, is like Russell Brunson was a or something. Um, at, at that point, that's when they start to have brand loyalty. I mean, if you look at like say Apple or something, they they know their ideal customer, right? They know that you like they know their competitors and they know all of that stuff. Where they don't really discount their stuff. They if you're trying to build your brand as basically price based and more of a commodity, then that's where it ultimately is going to lead to your death. I mean, Mm. like you're having to put in those discounts all the time because they don't like your actual brand and they don't like your product. All all you have to compete on is price. And at that point, the only person that ever wins is the customer. You're never going to have any real long term success if you go that route.
1: I think of uh, a lot of brands that, I I remember this story, oh, I forget which company it was, but it was a lawnmower company. And their big thing, they were going to make it big when they were selling their lawnmower in Walmart, for example. Mm -hmm. And Walmart just beat them up and beat them up and beat them up and The only thing they could do to drive down their price because that 's what Walmart did is they want to make it affordable for the every person is they had to thin out the metal they had to cheapen so many things to get their costs down that because they kept driving them get the cost down, get the cost down here 's your margin you 're allowed to make with us if you can get your cost down and it can fit within this this set of uh, parentheses. We'll do. You're going to sell zillions of them, and, and um, they eventually took their product from Walmart because they lost their loyalty. Everybody said this thing's a piece of junk because the metal would. I mean, it just didn't last, and they ended up pulling back away from there because they realized that's not their customer right that's not their customer and so therefore all they did was disappoint people lose their identity and blah 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 now that company still survived i forget what the name of which one it was but it was a good example of what could happen with what you're saying here right know your ideal customer know your brand values and know your competitors um your ideal customer is it a walmart customer i don't think so
0: hmm. um i interesting i, I, I th- I usually want us to be more of a premium product. I, I And I know a lot of times, like, like, I will say, like, my wife is a Walmart customer. She that's uh, uh, without hopefully like for uh,
1: convenience uh, or price. What for convenience it, or price?
0: Hers is about price. Okay. I, I know that, price that's what driven. she's about. Okay. Yeah. Like she's usually more, she's very frugal in terms of everything. Um, whereas I'm usually the type is looking at like, if, if I'm do, like, if I'm going to buy something, I want to buy something that's going to last longer. So I'm willing mm-hmm. to pay a premium if it's like the what is it that the true cost of cheap, I think is what they say. Right. Um, I look at it from that perspective. If I'm going to have to buy the same thing that's five dollars cheaper three times, then I'm going to be spending more anyway. I just want something that's going to last longer. Um, so I'm t- I more look at it from that perspective. And I think, well, she's more of the ideal customer of our brand in a lot of uh, levels I'd say more in terms of what we're trying to market towards it's not really the Walmart type of mentality. It's more I guess I mean if you think about Amazon they're more convenience and they're more um uh about the the well it, it's it's the cost, but when you actually are on Amazon it's especially now it's not really the cost. It's just more about the convenience factor.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um,
0: but, so that's kind of how we how we how I I look at our brand specifically. So
1: so for you because you're dominant on amazon it is um I'm, I'm saying that you're dominant i don't know that you're uh, you're okay. dominant i mean you sell on multiple channels but what is amazon or shopify your biggest uh sales channel
0: it's still amazon i mean um uh shopify is number two right now Okay, uh, but we're, we're doing everything we can right now in terms of building up our customer base and 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 those aspects of it obviously chatbots are a part of it um in terms of uh um, getting our own customers and, and we're still getting sales obviously off of Shopify. It's just, it, uh, it's when Amazon is Amazon, um, you understand that that's going to be your dominant sales channel for a long time. So you just kind of do it as it is.
1: As a marketer like yourself, how do you think differently then? Because obviously your goal, you know, you want to keep all your revenue, right? You don't want to pay all these extra fees and you don't want to have to send in extra inventory. You don't have to deal with the nonsense, right? There's, you got the same challenges. Everybody has them. How, how do you as a marketer then try um, in these trying times to take advantage of that?
0: All right. Well, I, I I'll admit, like, um, we've actually kind of gotten lucky in some ways. Um, like, you chose the
1: right category. Yeah, Let's tell yeah, people what true. category <laughs> you're
0: in. Go ahead. Uh, so, so we're in grocery and health analysis. Uh, so that, that kind of carry on,
1: man. You didn't get shut down. You didn't get everything <laughs> else.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's still going all right there. Hey, but, um... hey,
1: even a blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut. Remember that. <laughs>
0: But uh, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, uh, I know
1: we lost it, but we were talking about. I we was talking about how you how you take advantage of the marketing right now to really to like you're saying build your brand, build that customer base, build that repeat customer would yeah. be awesome.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, so one of the things I, I guess I would say was was uh, on the lucky aspect was Amazon honestly has had issues with our product lately. Like um, they there's been times I've had customers reaching out to us like specifically like on our website or something, and they're like hey, um, Amazon's got these issues or obviously there was what was like a few weeks ago where there was um, even when they were doing non-essentials were out of stock and all those kinds of things, they were still changing the dates to like a month out. So like customers were freaking out because they're going to have to wait potentially a month even for essential products. Like for our product, it was still showing up that way on the Amazon listing. So they were they were reaching out to us saying like, um, how can I get it? How can I get it? And then at that point, like uh, we would do what we could to like, get the product. And I don't know if it's technically within terms or not, but I mean, they were reaching out to us through our website. Right. Well, that's
1: and 100% yours. At that point, you have an obligation, right? Yeah. You have to fulfill that customers. So that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, th- I mean, that was definitely one way specifically. And and just in terms of the marketing aspect as well, I mean, I'll say like it's, it's always been the way that I've approached it since we've launched is that I know that Amazon itself is the what the 500 foot grill or whatever they say it is and you can't avoid them. But, um, I had issues with Amazon to the point of like, um, I want to do what I can to not be reliant on Amazon. Right. 100%. So from, from day one, from like, even before we were l- launching our product as we were working on like building up our list, like ahead of launching the product, I was, uh, that I was working on everything I could, um, from the marketing perspective of I want to get them on our list immediately um, and whether that's, um, getting like running advertising to get them on our chatbot list or an email list or whatever it is. So they're my customer at that point. And if I want to point them to Amazon, I can, but at that point I'm no longer reliant on them. So when situations like this happen or, or I'm getting sick of Amazon because whatever the case is, um, then I then my business doesn't shut down at that point i have that customer base like it's like any other business right i mean if you don't have a customer then eventually you're going to die so mm-hmm. that, like that was my thought like all the like from like as i went into this with my why i my eyes wide open as to how amazon is and how realistically they could if they want to if i have a successful product they could shut me down tomorrow i mean or they could say, oh, this is an awesome product. We're gonna make our own version and then right. put all our advertising to it. So right. and, and, but-
1: and you can't control either one of them. Right. One, you have a lot of success. Yes, they could start an Amazon basics. But number two, inadvertently that that Autobot shuts you down for velocity. I mean whatever. All right. A million different things. One complaint or a competitor. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. So you wanted control, period. Yeah. Right from day one. And is your I mean, now looking back, your thought process back then, it wasn't it wasn't the fees. It, well, obviously, it wasn't their going to shut you down thing. That wasn't your thinking at that time because you were just going to sell a zillion dollars, right? <laughs> um, now you look back at that. Was it th- that wariness and that eye towards having more control? Would you say that's one of the reasons you had so much success?
0: Uh, I I think that ultimately was a huge point in terms of of us getting to where we are right now yeah i I would probably agree with that i think i i didn't know how much it would turn out to be a big deal at the time it was just like i've heard like like everybody else you're when you're trying to learn something and you don't know you try and look to people that have been successful and whether it's through a course or through mentors or facebook groups or anything like that you're you're looking for that information you're looking to hopefully not make 5 million mistakes that other people have made. Um, and, and that was one thing that everyone kept digging into my head, like, like what pounding into my head, if that's the word, um, uh, just like, like it's all about owning your customer at that. Like if you don't have that, then you're, you've got nothing. And like, like when I was on the wholesale side before that, when I was going into private label stuff, I, I had like, like, we had $20,000 shipment We're like, I was almost left to holding the bag because of Amazon. And then I, I woke up to like 10 you sold as new complaints on a wholesale account. And like, I don't want to be in that situation anymore. Like I I'm looking at what can I do? So I'm no longer, like I'm never going to be in that situation again. And that's where like these mentors and, and all of these people that are doing much better than I am, um, would keep saying that. And like, I and i uh, like i don't think i'm the smartest person around by by far but i was at least smart enough to listen to what they yeah, had to you say you paid attention
1: you yeah. you caught the the key point you know not like hey you know you could do this and put this picture over here and do that yeah that stuff's all fluff what you're yeah. saying is you caught one of the real key i mean when you when you give advice to others is that is that one of the things that start the conversation yeah, hmm.
0: yeah Interesting. definitely I yeah, that like when you're doing anything at all with building your brand, I mean, it all like like you don't have a real brand in my opinion if you're not dealing with those three foundational pieces. I mean, um, uh, I I, I obviously this is geared more towards private label sellers than mm-hmm. like say wholesale or anything, but um, any type of brand you're trying to build, I mean, it all comes down to that and. Uh, if you're just I mean that gets back to what we were saying before I mean that's ultimately what you need to be successful at least in my opinion
1: well I think it's smart I think you're you're right on it okay so so you went from wholesale how did you you know don't give away the secret secret sauce but how did you catch the idea for your private label? what was it what was your aha moment when you're like, oh
0: whoa can you go there? <laughs> um- yeah. Yeah. I can definitely do that. Um, it actually wasn't even me. Um, it oh, was, uh, wait,
1: don't tell me it was your smarter <laughs> wife. Cause yeah. we already agreed that she yeah. is smarter cause her and I agree. So, all right, go ahead.
0: Yeah. She's much smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah, um, 100%. so, uh, uh, obviously without giving the product or niche away, but, um, uh, uh, she was obsessed with our niche and, um, <sighs> she was looking for products that would do something and they wouldn't do it. And she tried like, probably like at least 10 or 15 different products that were in our niche. And they sucked. Basically, they, they were not giving her what she wanted. And um, at that point, I was like, all right, well, um, let's just make one. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. Um, but uh, I mean, we're we're I'm a business owner, right? I mean, this you're is not
1: fearful. You, you already said that you didn't have that fear.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll go into it. I mean, I'll make five million mistakes. And uh, and I, like many other business owners had had, I don't think I have it as much now, the shiny object syndrome. But um, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, uh, it it helps solve the problem for my wife. And I've been talking about doing private label at some point anyway. Um, Like, I think I was probably in one or two courses anyway. Was she pushing you?
1: I mean, was she was she saying, yeah, you should do it? Or was she saying, I don't know, honey, I don't know if you got that in you. I mean, in a weird way. I mean, obviously, she wouldn't be that direct, but
0: no, I don't think she was ever pushing me, but she's never been the type of person who's like, oh, no, you can't do that or any of that stuff. I mean, I I do really do like agree in terms of like much smarter people than me that are like billionaires, like and they talk about so like like people the way the route that made them to get to where they're at is that you have to have a good support system i mean um and and i'll i'll fully admit i mean if she wasn't supportive and if she wasn't really there for me i i wouldn't be where i am right now and i wouldn't be where i'm planning to go i mean um uh like let me say she's part of the business right now um and i mean like i couldn't ask for a better like person uh to to I was like, without getting all sappy on it, but like, um, uh, it's okay. Uh, I've been married yeah. 30
1: plus years. It's good to be <laughs> sappy. Trust me. If she listens to this, she's going to appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this because I'm thinking about that. She, what you were solving her problem, right? And that's what a lot of people say, Hey, solve your problems, right? And that's how you can create things. Is she also the reason for innovation in your products? Because you always have somebody there who so passionate about it. That's like, on it, like to make sure that quality doesn't go down or you're staying current with whatever's going on?
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, Mm, um, like I said, she's in our our niche. She's in a lot of ways our ideal customer. So, I mean, like we did, I I will say like we opened up a Facebook group around our niche and she's the face of our brand. So like, um, so, so she's around it every day and um obviously i'm a part of that group so like i see the same stuff that goes on and and that's where it gets to the idea of like being pre like a, a premium quality product right whenever you're doing anything is that you want to listen to to your market right i mean if, uh that's all you have a really like like when i'm looking at say new products or anything else that i want to do in any type of brand you you look to that mark what the market first approach they call it right where you're it's like well well what kind of products really do work like what like what issues are your ideal customer having? And, and obviously we're lucky enough at this point that we have a group of people that we can talk to and we can get their, their, their problems. And, and obviously you would hope like their fears and desires and all that stuff. And, and, and hopefully solve those problems. But I mean, that's obviously where it starts, right? I mean, and those
1: customers can talk to her, the owner. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I definitely. mean, that's a, how how big of a deal has that turned out to be?
0: Oh, it, uh, definitely. It's a, it's a big deal. I mean, um, uh, 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 what's what's kind of, kind of cool is like one of those like this is kind of feels like you made it in some ways aspects was like um uh she was talking to somebody it was through i think it was through many chat and then um there was like a live chat like the like so she was talking specifically to them about something and um and then when she was following up and they're like oh wow you're the you're the person like it you're the you're the owner right oh, and i'm like cool. yeah yeah <laughs> she's famous <laughs> yeah she thought like like my wife was famous and they're like Uh, we were laughing about that. I was like, wow. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah. So, I mean, you don't really think about those things, but like, like, It's a big deal.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think back to famous Amos, I would have loved to meet that guy, that cookie guy. Right. (laughs) I mean, you think about it, that's like, that is a person. Does this, let me ask you this, because this is interesting to me because it was her passion and now you guys have developed it. When you're looking at other products to do, do you look other like look at everything again? Or are you back to that arbitrage guy who's looking at anything? I'll just sell whatever I can find that's profitable, or because what you're doing is working, do you stay kind of close to home?
0: Um, I'm still. If we're looking obviously at the existing product, the like our existing brand that we have, uh, I'm looking more at the at the market first approach of what our customers look for next in their journey. Uh,
1: right? Okay. Okay.
0: Like, cause that, that's what obviously makes it easier as you're trying to come up with new products, right? Like it's the whole idea of, of don't overthink things. I mean, like, I, I like one of my mentors had talked about, like, I, am sure a lot of people have heard the current destination versus desired destination. And, um, I, Brian Bowman is one of my mentors and he's the one who, who kind of talked about this a lot to me specifically was, um, if you're looking at anybody, like, like if we're looking at our existing customers and we're looking at like our niche in general, you have your specific problem. So, like, there's this whole big, like, like uh, line. They're at this current des- uh, destination, and they want to get to the Promised Land, which is their desired destination. And then there's a big line to get there, that big gap. And your your product is one of those pieces, but it's not the whole thing. Right. They're going to need like twenty different other things to get from A to B. And so, uh, you don't necessarily even have to create those products. You just have to have to access to those products, whether it's through affiliates or dropship or anything along those lines, if you don't want to make the product. So you're giving your customer what will help them. Or obviously at that point, if you're doing market research and you're like, well, I want to make that product because obviously at that point, your margins are going to be higher and, and you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But, um, I always look at it from that approach whenever I'm trying to come up with new stuff.
1: You know, the other thing it's that customers also bought, right? That's also another thing, right? They're interested in this. Does that help you are you able? I bet you are, because you're a marketer. You're good at this. Yeah. I guarantee it. You're profiling those customers. You know what else they're buying, don't you? You know them.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, it, that, oh, you're all, evil marketer. <laughs> well, no, that that comes back to your foundational stuff that we talked about before, like your ideal customer research, right? When you're doing any of that, I'm looking at like looking, was it meet them where they're at, right? Is the kind of thing mm. where like you're trying to look at what their buyer behaviors are. You're trying to look at obviously like your, like the competitors and all that stuff, but you're looking at what type of products that they buy. Like if, like, if you're like, stay stalking them on Facebook, which is obviously a a weird way to put it. But like, if you're looking to see your ideal customer on Facebook, then you're going to see what types of products they like. And, and from there you'll start to get a sense, right? I mean, that's all you're ever doing. Like from the customer research standpoint, um, it's, it's nothing too crazy. I mean, people complicate it, but that's part of Marketing. That's part of what you do to try and understand your customer better.
1: Well, let's add some value because I, I think uh I think, you know, being an expert and and we can jump right into chat if chatbot is the place that we should go to add value. Um, mm-hmm. you know, building staff, building customer service specifically, or sales, right? Because I think chatbots could be used for both um, mm-hmm. and probably are used for both. Um what are ways that people could utilize those things to help? In the, And, you know, I, I know one of the things I wanted to get to is some of these challenging times. But I think regardless of this, you know, this virus out there, um, hmm. they're challenging times in private label period, right? There's just so many sellers selling the same products. They're copying products or they're similar. It's very hard to stand out, that kind of thing. So customer service can win, correct? Customer service can win.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, I, I, so
1: so let's add value there. What you can do in, in your world, and you don't have to just go to chatbots. That's one of your expertise, but I just think that there's some opportunity there.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. I I mean, the, the easiest thing to do to start would probably be like, this is something you can get done in like five or ten minutes, honestly, is like obviously this works if you're building a brand, so it's more geared toward the private label side, but if you're doing, say, wholesale and you have more of an exclusive relationship, or something along those lines, or you're you're trying to give a value add to somebody, or
1: you're brand managing. Uh, a lot of people yeah, brand yeah. manage.
0: Yeah, 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 that as well. Um, uh, a simple thing you can do, like today, that takes you like five, ten minutes, is is set up a ManyChat account, connect it to their Facebook brand page, uh, connect it to their website, and then like set up a contact us section, like like part to your flow, like simple it takes like no time at all like you don't really even have to know like tech to do it it's basically you're setting up many chat and then you're clicking a few buttons you're connecting it to those different platforms and then you're going to write out of like a message basically and then you write a response so that you it puts you in co- puts the customer in contact with Uh, either you or somebody else that would be like a customer service rep. Uh, Like, it's very simple. takes like no time at all. And now this gives you access to your customers. Right. And, and, and now like, obviously it's magnified a thousand percent with what's going on now, but it's been happening anyway. The idea that customers want to talk to the brand immediately with any type of issue that's going on. And if you can put something in place now, um, where they can talk to you, at that point, obviously, you you start to own that customer immediately, but you can have that dialogue with them. You can start to figure out what problems are ahead of time. Um, like we talked about before, you can start to, uh, obviously, another thing that this feeds into is the idea that you can come up with other products. Like if you're stuck, like I would say this is another thing you can do based off of that as well. If you're kind of stuck right now where the inventory is not being put in, um, you can take that research that you're you basically getting for free from these customers and start to come up with maybe some info products that you can start to to come up with around your niche or around your brand where it's not going to cost you much or maybe you want to create some content or whatever it is where it's going to still help them solve their problems. And you can whether you're going to sell it to them or give it to them as some type of free lead magnet – it's gonna. It's starting to build rapport with your customer, and potentially could bring you some revenue and some profit, right? Because at that point, it doesn't cost you anything to ship, or or deal with the cost of goods or anything along those lines. It like all it literally cost you is is the time to make it, or if you're an outsource, part of that process of making it, uh, in terms of the physical words and the images or anything like that, to solve their problem, and then to send the email or to send the the, the messenger uh, flow or whatever it is. I mean. And, uh, that that will have a, a big uh, return on your investment right there.
1: You, you basically created an AI relationship. I mean, it's yeah. it it's a weird thing, but you I asked a question. You actually answered it. Whether it was you or not, you actually answered it. I, how about this? I want to ask this question. Have you found, and, and maybe now is a weird time to ask it, but repeat customers through, because you established this relationship through your own stuff, as opposed to repeat customers on Amazon, for example. Have, can you even can you even see that? I don't know if there's a way to see it on Amazon, I guess if you captured the customer data and then looked at it over time. Right. But I'm just wondering, I mean, obviously you must see a repeat customer with your own stuff on your Shopify store, right? Logically.
0: Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right. I mean, so I'm, that, that uh, you can track. Oh yeah, easily. And, Any uh, guess
1: on the Amazon side? Or have you been able to, I mean... You know, is there, has there been a benefit? Maybe that's a better way to say it. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think so. I mean, um, obviously like if you're doing, uh, I think, didn't they change it on the subscribe and save level where it's, uh, I think now it's brand registry, I think. Right. But it used to be that you you can't really see it. You used to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. But but we we have brand registry. So, so, I mean, we see it on our side. Um, But so, so I can look and see, like, I think it's whether it's like seller legend or any of those other kind of softwares where you can, usually see I, I i can only obviously speak for a seller legend but um, i think for most of those softwares you can see like a lot of the subscribe and save orders and those things so i i definitely do see it a lot on the amazon side and and obviously i definitely see it on the Shopify so, side. so yeah,
1: but well, that's why i was going to ask have you gotten a benefit from putting in this effort cuz this you know i know you're saying this oh this is simple to set up well it's work old dudes mm-hmm. like me that's really hard right and uh, the right. old guys are all nodding their head right now saying yeah it's not as easy as Uh, you youngins um but but logically you know have you seen the benefit and well you know i mean obviously the answer is you had a benefit because you were prepared when the pandemic struck and you were able to answer a lot of questions because you already had those questions you already had a a flow set up for that right that's a that's a big win right that's proof of concept
0: Oh, oh yeah definitely
1: but but how about on the customer side? Just in general, have you seen a benefit? Is there another reason to do it? Meaning that you know, yes, those repeat customers, I've been able to build that loyalty now because I I it's not Amazon's customer, it's my customer, and it's not just a, a fly by night customer, it's somebody who I've communicated with.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, okay. I, that's ultimately what it all comes down to, right? I mean, it, you're it, it it comes back to the idea of if, if yeah, are you building a customer for Amazon or are you actually trying to build a real customer? and and that that's where all this stuff comes into play right i mean like it it's it's an amazing feeling when you get somebody that reaches out to you like on your own website um uh, and and like usually uh, it's, uh, I'll say a lot of times it's because there's some customer pro- uh, issue that I, that was probably my mistake, right? I mean, I'll admit I make 5,000 mistakes a day. I still do. And I probably will for a very long time. Um, but like, say there was something where like, say the order didn't go out on time or something and they're asking about it. And then, um, usually like, like the response that I seem to get is like, Oh, I, I it's cool. I just love you guys. And I want to make sure I'm not out, uh, like whatever that product is. So, I mean, I mean, like Obviously, that's a lot like that makes me feel great as like a business owner, like that where we have that relationship. You're relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that they're, they think of en- enough of us. It's not yeah. just um, some other product that they're just looking at the price and going, all right, well, um, this one's $5 cheaper. I'm going to go with that and then just go on their way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's an amazing feeling. And I'll, I'll say I'm kind of selfish in terms. Of, I like that feeling. I want to do yeah. that. It's for, a, it, for, 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 what
1: sorry. is it um it was it daniel lapin always says uh, the applause with the uh, dollar bills they applaud their hands with dollar bills right that's <laughs> it is a good feeling you've got a that is a win um when when a would another benefit of that chatbot being a fly-by-night customer who just happens to happen along years due to marketing or do whatever um the fact that you took the time to engage with them in any way that has to be a value right that has to bring more value because if you try to buy something on Amazon. The only thing you can do is look to see at what previous customers' experiences were, right, with the reviews and stuff like that. It's generally it, or the copy that's there. That's about the most relationship, maybe a video, but yeah. that's not interaction. That's not, yeah. you know. So I'm just wondering if that's the last piece of that chatbot that people need to get. Right? Those, those first two examples were perfect examples. Yeah. But this third one is that, that non-loyal customer has a chance.
0: Oh oh yeah. I, I I definitely think like when you're setting up anything having to do with chatbots, I usually try and look at it as the idea that you're having a conversation with them. Right. I mean that basically when, when you're coming down, like the, the big point about many chat compared to say email or anything else is that it's so much easier to have a conversation with somebody. I mean, if you were to, go back and forth with somebody trying to get them get to know them like say we're doing right now and you were doing that through email it would take you like 10-15 messages and you'd probably stop but it with with chatbots specifically when you get somebody into your your flow for the first time you can now start to ask them questions they can start to learn more about you as a brand and what product it is that you're trying to sell and all those other things where it helps to uh, put them more at, at ease in terms of like whatever your, your, your propositions are or, or whatever makes you, you your product better. And, and at that point it gives them a, a more informed decision as to whether it's going to be the product for them or the brand for them. And it, it just makes it so much better, at least in, in terms of my opinion. In but terms it, of- it's
1: honesty too, right? You have to yeah. be honest in those answers, right? You know, is that, 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 reassures because I get doubts. Right. And you're answering those questions. So you're tracking them over time and you're just answering them. Right. You're just building that bank of the old Zendesk's of the past. Right.
0: Right. And, and that's ultimately where like everything you're doing is a, like it goes back to the idea of data. Right. I mean, everything you're doing is, is really data based and you're looking at like what problems are people having. Right. If, if, they, if they don't like your product for whatever reason, they're going through it and then they're turned off because of something you said, then that's where you've got to go back and look at it from your, your, your brand and product perspective of I'm doing something wrong. Right. And, and, and that's a lot of what like the chatbot stuff does is like, you now have a relationship with that potential customer. And from there you, you start to learn, obviously you would hope you would learn um, at, at like what, what stuff is coming out of that. And are they having a positive experience with you? Or are they having a negative experience? And, I'll admit, we've, we've had our fair share of negative experiences, too. But and then you've
1: made decisions based on that?
0: Uh, yeah, I and mean, we've definitely changed a lot of our nice. our nice. processes on the brand based off of that. I mean, it's, it's ultimately what you have to do. I mean, if there's a problem and you don't fix it, then you're not going to be in business for right. very long. I mean, you have to listen to what your customer tells you. Love it. Yeah. Dude.
1: How do people, you know, if they're interested in this, because there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be like, Ooh, this is cool. How do they, I mean, do you, do you have, uh, info on this? Do you teach this stuff or what do you do? Yeah. yeah, I honestly don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so I, I can say that anyone that's listening to it, um, that wants to learn more, like say about chatbots or marketing, um, you can definitely like contact me, uh, at Douglas Levin on, on Facebook. I've got a, like a free cheat sheet, um, in terms of like ways to kind of, uh, take control of your e-commerce income. And I'm also working on a course that should be released soon and I've also got a, uh, like a social media channel, like on YouTube, uh, morning marketing machine. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, if there's any other way I can help too, I mean, definitely. There's some
1: free content out there, right. For people who want to dip their toe in. And, and I agree with you. I think the the easiest thing right away is, Hey, contact me. Um, you know, and it's just a simple little, little bot. I mean, that just makes perfect sense. All right. You have taken us through. You've, you've obviously, uh, you know, you're having some success, right? You've, you've hit that, that big, uh, that uh, good size seller level. Um, is this as far as you go or do you see a limit in what you're going to be able to do or want to do um, oh, with your brands and your businesses?
0: Oh, not, not at all. I mean, i um, That's I'm, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always at this point, I'm looking like I had like um, a lot, of, a lot of the people that I've been like, I respect and that. I look up to um, like I follow in, in terms of what their thoughts are and, and, like, it, this kind of gets back to the idea of, of mindset because I'm a big proponent in terms of, like, mindset, how it honestly changed my life um, in terms of that aspect. And and I look at, um, like, I look at goals, like, in the future of where I want to get to. And, and I, like, I, I, I've got a goal from, like, my birthday in 2021. I'm working on goals for three to five years out. Like, I ultimately – like, like uh, in a lot of ways, I'm doing all of this stuff either on my own or with my wife or something along those lines. It's a, it's a small business, right? But I ultimately want to, in, in some, I don't want to say blow it up, but, but I want to, I want to get to another level in terms of where, where I'm at as a person and, and obviously where my business is at as well. And, and, and that, that comes with what taking one, one foot step in front of the other and really working on, on, on where it is that I want to go and where. And that person that I have to become to get there. Um, and, so.
1: and what's going on in the world isn't going to stop you, right? Oh, I mean, this um, is no. absolutely not going to stop you. Dude, yeah. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, all right. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I am I knew this was going to be a good interview. Somebody mentioned, <laughs> you gotta do it. Um, no, I think it's exactly right. I, I already got that title, that know your ideal customer, know your brand values, and know your competitors. Those three things are what's driving your business, plus marry up. Um, as you and I both did. That's always a plus. Okay, so the best way to get in touch with you for more information is Douglas Levin, uh, Facebook contact. I'll put that out there. Um, dude, I'm very, uh, it, I mean, it's it's a very cool story. I can't wait to see where you go. Very, very cool. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was, it was such a great pleasure to, to be here.
1: Man, what a great guy. Um it was just a cool story. Um, Just just neat to see, again, somebody succeed and doing it the right way, and not blaming anybody else, and owning his, owning the gap in the market. It's his fault. And uh, so the, the chatbot stuff is very, very cool, and it's, it's absolutely something even I need to do. So you absolutely should uh, follow up with him. And, again, it's Douglas Levin, his Facebook contact. I'll have that out on the page. But um, know your ideal customers, know your brand values, and know your competitors, and then make decisions based on that. Just solid, solid advice. ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care.